Welcome to Stemming in Stilettos with Dr. Tasha, a podcast for and about women of color in STEM. These women are brave, beautiful, and brilliant. Their stories deserve and need to be heard. Their voice strong, their message clear, their experiences priceless. Now let's welcome this wonderful winning woman of color to the show. Hello, and welcome to Stimming in Stilettos with Dr. Tasha. The main focus of the show is to highlight and showcase the stories of minority women in STEM. It is my belief that if we want to encourage minority girls to pursue STEM careers, they should first hear and learn from those who have lived those stories. It is my job to provide a safe environment for them to do so. So let's welcome this beautiful and vivacious woman in STEM to our show. Okay, y'all, I have some really, really exciting, exciting news. You're not even going to believe it because I can't hardly believe it. After a lot of hard work behind the scenes and, and for many months, um, I'm excited to finally announce that I have a new book coming out. It's called ABC Engineering Book, and it's a children's book that teaches them engineering terms for the very young. I'm really, really excited. I would love for you to support this book. You can pre-order your copy. Um, I will put the link out so you can pre uh, for, so you can pre-order it because it goes live November the 17th. I cannot wait. You're going to want that. This is a great Christmas gift. And then so stay tuned for sneak peeks in the coming weeks. I can't even tell you how excited I am for me, but also for you. Thanks. Hi, everybody. It's Dr. Tasha here. So I have some great, great news and I need your help. So I have been nominated for the Global Awards 2020 Women Tech Network Speaker of the Year Award. Isn't that great news? It's great, great news. But I need your help. So in order to win this award, I got I need you guys to like my pages, right? I need you to like the the post about the award, and that's how you vote for me. So if anybody has heard my podcast, been in a session with me, um, knows how I speak and what it is I'm trying to do, um, please take a moment and just hit the like button. That's all we need you to do. And thank you in advance. And I will let you know if we are successful. Thanks. Hi, and welcome to Stimming and Stilettos with Dr. Tasha. Man, we have a really nice, good episode for you today. Our guest today is Kaylee Looney. Hi, Kaylee. Hi. How are you? I'm doing good. How about you? I'm always good when I get to talk to somebody. I get to do this interview and talk to talk about my favorite subjects. So um, I'm really glad that you're, you are here. Can you tell our visitors, our listeners, our visitors, our listeners where you're calling from or where you're uh, zooming in from? 
Yeah, sure. So I am all the way down in sunny Melbourne, Florida. So I'm, a, I'm feeling the heat today. <laughs> wow. How, how hot is it? Um, it usually gets up to like around 100 and then it'll feel about 107, 110. So I've got to wow. do some heavy lifting for my nonprofit work later. So I'm hoping that it cools down a little bit, but it's Florida. So who knows? Wow. <laughs> Okay, Kaylee, so we generally start off every episode um, with the following statement or following question. So if you could tell us your STEM story. Yeah, sure. So I think that I'll actually start with my mom's STEM story um, and kind of get into mine from there because a lot of, you know, what she used to do influenced my decisions. And so she's actually um, first gen. She was born in Ecuador, uh, moved here and kind of uh, lived off of food stamps. She grew up, you know, she wanted to be a marine biologist. She was so inspired by Jacques Cousteau. Um, and unfortunately, she just knew that there wasn't too many career paths like you know, around marine biology at the time that she wanted to go into it. So given, you know, her family background and all of that, she chose to actually go into the Navy. Um, mm -hmm. And she became a, a naval engineer where she works mostly on uh, aircraft carriers and all of the plumbing. And, um, you know, I, I can, you know, maybe send you a picture, but she, she has these pictures of her as this, like, tiny five-foot-tall, like, girl <laughs> around, like, these six-foot men with, like, their hard hats on and their, like, Navy, like, attire on, like, with their toolboxes in their hands. And so, like, um, you know, seeing that picture kind of growing up and even today, like, definitely influenced my path. Um, so now knowing that, you know, I, I grew up with actually two engineers in my household, my mom who was Navy engineer and my dad who went more into the computer science side. Um, I wanted to be a fashion designer. My <laughs> parents were like, I don't know how to deal with this, but awesome. Like go for it. Like this is your creativity, do it. But back in like, you know, kindergarten, like all the way through like, like middle school, like you would know that fashion design was not not meant for me i was the kid that would like not know how to do her hair so i would like duct tape bow ties to my head because <laughs> that's what that is what i thought fashion was um and so come like sixth grade my mom was like okay well maybe maybe let's try to like not like crush her dreams entirely let's let her still be creative but maybe let's try introducing her to stem um, and I think that while you, like, at the time, it was pretty much, like, dragging me by my ear into a first robotics meeting, um, it was definitely one of the best, like, decisions that my parents had made and one of the best experiences that I've had, and that's what really got me interested in STEM. So, you know, here I was in sixth grade, like, kind of standing before these, like, big robots at my local Girl Scout Council, and I was just completely in awe. I was like, yes, like, this is so cool, Mom. Like, this is what you do. You do STEM stuff. Like, that's so awesome. Like, I can do this, too. Um, and so, like, I signed up for a team. I got really involved in the programming and the engineering notebook, and I learned all about the engineering design process, and I knew that, you know, technology and engineering was something that I wanted to pursue moving forward. Um, it wasn't until I got into high school that I really started exploring outside of the robotics field. So I took a um, special topics in science course and my teacher was like, okay, so I know you love robots, so let's try a couple different things. So my 
know, the first quarter he like set me up with some underwater ROVs and was like, all right, so we know you like robots on land. How about robots <laughs> under the sea? And I was like, all right, let's try it. And I like, I did not like it. I mm. like, I do not like swimming. And so this was not the thing for me. And he was like, all right. So if you don't like underwater, you'd like land. Well, what about like total opposite of underwater? How about space? And I was like, there are robots in space? What? Are you kidding me? Um, and yes, yeah, so I, I did my my project on the Mars rover, uh, Curiosity, and I like absolutely fell in love with space. I like I didn't know if robotics was what I wanted to do anymore, but I knew I wanted to do something with engineering and technology still, and I knew that I wanted to do something with space. So as I got into college, I, I applied to Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University up, um, well, up for me in Daytona Beach, Florida, but probably down for most people. Um, I got in and I studied aerospace engineering. Um, when I got there, I kind of had the option between three different tracks. So aeronautics, which is airplanes, propulsion, which is like rocket engines and astronautics, which is spacecraft design. Um, and so I, I chose the astronautics track. Um, did a internship at Kennedy Space Center in my last semester and that's where like I kind of you know reaffirmed my love for space my love for spacecraft design and now I'm a mission analyst at L3 Harris Technologies working on you know all of our small satellite programs. Wow that is an amazing story. Thank you. <laughs> I mean that is that's actually the American dream I mean you were able to um, take take uh, you know knowledge from your parents and grow your own interest in that way, and just the work that you're doing. So thank you for sharing that story with us. That was that was amazing. Thank you. Yeah, I I, I like to hope that I'm making my mom proud, and she does tell me all the time that I am, um, and I. You know, I, I do, I, I really do take so much inspiration from her and her story. And like, you know, I, I go back to that picture where like, you know, that's exactly how I feel. I'm five foot two and very often I'm the only woman in the room. Granted, uh, in her picture, she was like much smaller with the toolbox and a hard hat. And I'm definitely not that hardcore of an engineer. I, <laughs> I, most of my work is at the computer, um, but yeah, for sure. So how, how has that experience been for you being you know, the only woman in, in some of the rooms? Um, I mean, I, I think that you hear this story from just about every woman in STEM that you talk to. It's hard, right? And I, I, I've i been, you know, doing a lot of, you know, talking lately and going to conferences and I'm speaking to all these younger girls and they ask me the same question. And it's like, I, like, I can't like sugarcoat this for you. Like, I have to be honest, like being a woman in STEM is, it's not the easiest choice. Like I love what I do, but I don't love the fact that I'm the only girl in the room. Right. Um, and so, you know, very often I, you know, college, like great example, my professors would, you know, completely discredit all the work that I was doing. I remember in my first ever computer science course, I like, I understood MATLAB, like I understood the computer science behind it. Like I've always been pretty good at, you know, CS, but for some reason my professor just did not like to accept the fact that like I was doing okay in his class as a woman. And at one point during office hours, he told me that, you know, the only way to survive at this school was to put a ring on my finger and keep it there. <gasps> um, and so, yeah. And that was the last ever computer science course that I took. Um, I, I still have not taken another computer science course. I was just absolutely terrified. Um, and I think that in the journey of being a woman in STEM, like there are so many of those moments. Like, right. I, like that is definitely the one comment that has resonated with me up in, you know, 
six years later. But, you know, if I go back and I really look hard, like we deal with these moments almost on a daily basis, maybe on a microscopic level. Some days it's not as obvious as that comment, but um, these are the things that we have to deal with. And I think that because of all of my experiences as a woman in STEM, that's, you know, what really led me to start my nonprofit, um, Reinvented Magazine, um, which is one of the nation's first ever print magazines written for women in STEM. Um, so a lot of these experiences really came down to like, I, my professors were male, my you know peers were male. I didn't have any role models other than like, Luckily, I had my mom, but I didn't have any role models in STEM. And so I now, you know, I'm still kind of dealing with being that only woman in the room, but I don't want that to be the experience for, you know, girls growing up into STEM now. And so that that was a big you know, part of why you I chose started. to kind of fight for gender equality in STEM through my nonprofit. I really, well, yeah. So let me just say this. I, I really admire you for taking that stance. Um, and I will tell you, I will also tell you this, is that I really, we need you to fight the good fight. Um, and you're doing that in, in various and sundry ways. Just you being in the room, even though you may be the only one, that's a fight one. Um, mm -hmm. And so you continuing to be in the room and, and fighting for yourself um, is, is, is a part of where we find ourselves. Um, we know the story, we've heard it, you know, engineering is, is not a world that has been made for women. Mm -hmm. It just isn't. It, is, it has been made and it's widely accepted that it is made for white men. Um, mm -hmm. And so a woman stepping into that space, a minority stepping into that space, th there's going to be some pushback and some issues. There's, they yeah. don't think that we belong there. Um, and so you being in the room, is, it's special, it's right. It's true to who you are and, and continue to walk in with full knowing that you belong there. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then, so I do want to talk about um, your magazine. Uh, I need you to like how, what was the thought process and the, like the, the, oomph, the thing that made you just say, you know what, I'm going to, I got to do this. Yeah, so um, it, this actually started out almost kind of selfish. Uh, I used to get Seventeen magazine in the mail, and I'm not like, you know, hating on magazine or anything, but as, you know, 2018, I had just graduated college, I was an aerospace engineer, and I got an issue of Seventeen in the mail, and, you know, these are the kinds of things, like, I throw a bath bomb in the bath, I, you know, pour myself a glass of wine, and I read a magazine, right? But I can't do that if I don't actually like care about any of the content in the magazine. So like I would skip right to the back where the trauma rama funny stories were and the horoscopes and that was about it. Um, and so I, you know, I, I really wanted to read more about things like the all-female spacewalk or, you know, what female engineers are doing like me to kind of empower me on my self-care days. Right. And so I, I posted in the um, NCWIT, which is the National Center for Women Information Technology um, Facebook group, and I was like, you know, why doesn't this exist? And it was really more of just a complaint than an action or a call to action. And you know, all of a sudden, like everyone in the group was like commenting and like reacting and they were like, you're right, let's do this. And this discord group like started without like, you know, me even like being the one to start it. And I was like, oh, oh okay, um, this, this is <laughs> happening. All right. Um, and so I got into this discord and they're like, okay, Kaylee, what's next? And I'm like, um, I, I don't know. I like, I, I don't know. Um, but it's really, really grown from there. Um, I mean, we started off as just kind of this like, you know, 
bold move because people just really wanted this and we turned into now we're a, you know over a hundred volunteer-led team from all over the world um, sending tens of thousands of magazines out to you know young girls again all over the world um, and so while it may have started out as this selfish like I would like this to read on my self-care days it's really turned into you know an aid to the movement to kind of normalize the way society um, we're trying to provide these readers with those role models, like I mentioned. We're trying to show them that you know, women in STEM don't look like your, your quote-unquote stereotypical woman in STEM, which is like nerdy, almost unappealing, you right. Know, awkward, right? Like that's that's not what we look like. That's not who we are. We look like women, and women look like whatever they want to look like, um, and they do whatever they want to do. They they aren't just defined by their job title, right? Um, and so that that is what like the magazine is trying to do, and so. That is what we we kind of push for with every issue, with every you know, virtual engagement, like our Steam Dreamers panel. Um, everything is just trying to put those role models in front of you know our readers, our followers, these young girls who kind of need to re-understand what women in STEM look like, so that they won't be so afraid to pursue it. Yeah, I I think this is one of those um, times when it's really clear that we need to be um, absolutely we need to be more visible because you can't be what you can't see. Um, we, need, we need girls to see themselves in, in, all, in, every, in every hue, you know, in every sexual orientation. We need mm -hmm. girls to know that engineering, there's not, there's, there's not a look, you know. It's about um, desire and heart and skill and technique. It's about all of those things. You have them you can do this job. You can be an engineer. You can, right. you know, you can be a technician. You can be, you know, you can do all of these things. And because there are, there are women who are already doing them and it's up to us. And I'm really glad um, I get the, um, the, you know, I don't get the paper version, but I do get the, you know, I get emailed when there's a new, mm -hmm. the new um, uh, issue available. Um, because I think it's so key. We have to we have to be building each other up and making sure that our stories get out in whatever capacity that looks like. You know what I mean? Well, yep. of course you know what I mean. <laughs> of course you know what I mean. <laughs> well, but that that's so true, and I think that you know that's another big part of like what this magazine does is i mean we're providing role models but we're also giving you know current women in stem who are already like kicking butt at what they do a platform to share their voice and to share their story and you would be so surprised how many like people we reach out to and we're like hey like we would love to interview you for reinvented and they're like me like i have nothing important to say or like my story sounds like everybody else's but once you interview them like like I, I hope that they know that that's totally untrue that every woman in stem should be sharing their story because everyone's story is so unique so different and so so inspiring um and i i'm like so so honored that i get to be you know part of the team that gets to bring their story to life that gets to you know, remind them that what they're doing is awesome and that they are awesome women you know kicking butt like i said in stem um, and give them that platform to you know get their story out there to inspire our readers well, they should be inspired by you because um, I hear what you're saying. You're just, you know, it's sort of like, uh, I wish I had this magazine to read while I get my nails done, you know, or I'm, I'm in the bathtub and relaxing. But it it takes 
It takes a determination and um, consideration to do what you do. And then that you brought others along with you who were on board from the beginning. I mean, you know, there's one thing for, I was talking earlier with another guest and I was saying, you know, there's people who, who talk and then there's people who do. And, and you did. So, I mean, that's to be applauded. Thank you. I'm, uh, I'm going to remember that when I am uh, loading and unloading about 5,000 magazines later. <laughs> uh, I do, yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh, okay, so outside of your mother, who would you say were or are your mentors? Um, so I'll be honest, I I'm not sure that I've really had any mentors going through my college and even even now, like I, I do have a mentor. I mean, he is an older white male, but he's totally awesome. And like, I don't think that he sees like the gender gap whatsoever. I um, mean, he's always been really supportive, but he only like supports on a like subject matter experts, you know, topic type level, as opposed to like helping me climb ranks within leadership or you know, whatever it is. Um, but I. I will say that I absolutely think that mentorship is so, so important um, in addition to kind of just the advocacy and sponsorship aspect. Um, I was listening to a conference uh, yesterday, actually, and one of the speakers said that, you know, she, she's now like a VP at Walmart, I think, um, and she, she said that, you know, she's fought her, her battle and now it's time for her to fight for someone else. And so she, she, she quoted, you know, dropping the elevator all the way back down to the bottom floor. Mm. Um, and I think that that is so important. And I think that we need to kind of embrace that culture um, a little bit more, that mindset a little bit more so that, you know, you know young engineers like me or you know, like the next generation, you know, have not only mentors in their field, but also advocates for themselves at higher levels. Yeah, I think it's key. Um, mentorship is so important, um, I think. Um, it's, it's just, it's hard enough, um, being a woman in STEM without there being, um, someone for you to, to be able to talk to, to converse with, to help you work out, you know, the, the situations that you've never been in before, um, to navigate the space that, um, you know, they never thought you'd be in. So, or in, in you know, you had no idea it was going to look the way it looked. So, yeah, so we, I think that's the work. Um, that's the work moving forward is to make sure that girls know um, that their, that mentorship is important. And it's not just, a, it's a, I'll say this about mentorship also, is that it's not a, um, it's not a relationship where it's about taking. Um, right. it, it is indeed a relationship, which means that there's two, three people who are all giving and taking, giving and receiving. Um, and I think that that's key to a successful, healthy mentor-mentee uh, mentor relationship. So I'll, I'll say that. Oh, for sure. I, I think that there is kind of this misconception that, as, you know, especially when you're younger in college or high school and you, you hear this buzzword of, mentorship oh find yourself a mentor and you go into this thinking like okay this 
person or, you know, this woman that I'm looking to get mentorship from is so awesome. Like, I don't even compare, like, this is going to be just like me asking questions. And like, that, that's definitely not how it should be mentorship and any relationship, you know, really should be mutually beneficial. And you should also go into that mentorship knowing that if your mentor, while they may be like this, you know, amazing woman with this like huge, long, impressive resume, like they're going to learn from you it just the same as you are learning from them. Um, and so like, I, I hope that young girls kind of know that and go into, you know, seeking mentorships more confidently um, because of that. Yeah. So tell us, tell us what, what's, what's happening with you now. What, I mean, I know you're, you're, you've got the magazine, you have, you have your day job, or I call it your day job. Maybe it's like, it's the, it's the side, it's the side job. Um, but tell us what else is happening with you. Yeah, so I um, I feel like I always have so much going on. So I'm you know, the founder and CEO of Reinvented Magazine. That's you know, my my that that's really my side job. I, my Twitter tagline is Rocket Scientist by Day, Editor in Chief by Night. Nice. Um, I work full time, like I said, at L3 Harris as a mission analyst. So I spend my whole day kind of doing orbital analysis and, you know, doing like the orbital dynamics and mission modeling for a lot of our small satellite programs and just kind of, um, I get that big picture of what a satellite system should look like and how each of the subsystems are going to react like with each other based on any changes or design changes that we make. Um, outside of that, I am also a part-time grad student. So I'm pursuing my master's in space systems engineering um, from Johns Hopkins. Um, and that's been super fun. We're about to start our another semester. I'm about halfway through that. Um, and then for fun, I have two large dogs who I'm very surprised are not like barking at me in the background. They must be on a walk or out on our porch with my, my partner. But um, I, I love playing with them. Um, and I'm also a huge runner. So I'm training to, to run my first marathon in January right now. Um, yeah, always, always have stuff going on. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay, I thought I was busy, but you, you, you've got a, you got your corner. You, you've got that down. <laughs> yeah, I, I like. I have my. Um, I'll do a, a quick, like, little shout out to Erin Condren, who um, I think makes some of the world's best planners. But um, I like live and breathe by my planner. Um, I don't know if I would be where I am today without my planner skills. <laughs> wow. Well, that means that that's that if that's how you need to do it, that's fine. I, I live by my Outlook calendar. Mm -hmm. it, I'm I'm always checking it before I make any commitments. I'm like, wait, wait, hold, hold, wait, hold, hold on. <laughs> I yep. have to check. I have to check this calendar to make sure. Um, and then, and the other thing that I've learned is is to be detailed on your calendar because I can't just put appointment, you know, because I'm like I could I don't know what that means, you know. So I'm really very specific. This is a podcast meeting. This mm -hmm. is. This is a training. This is an appointment to talk about X, Y, Z, and one, two, three. So otherwise, um, I'm I'm always like I don't know where I'm supposed to be, and I don't know who I'm talking to. And, <laughs> and my my biggest troubles lately have been um, like I used to put in like drive time, right? But now I don't have meetings as much in person, so I don't have like my drive times built in, right. and so I like when I do have a meeting that's in person or I have to go like drive somewhere to do something, I no longer put my drive times in and it's been like really 
you know, throw me for a loop, but I use color coding like crazy. So like reinvented stuff is all in pink. Work stuff is in red because that's like our colors and then appointments are in blue and any outreach stuff is purple and I don't know. I, I try to be as organized as possible. Does it always end up that way? No, I have like 10 emails and 10 different calendars. So it gets a little, <laughs> little tricky. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, uh, I've, I've learned to change, change the, the, um, the look of all my calendars. So I know what's, what's, you know, what belongs to who. Yeah. Um, cause, cause we're all doing so many different things. I think, I mean, as organiz or as organizers go, I mean, for me, the, um, the electronic works because I just have, if you saw my office right now and I'm literally counting eight notebooks because I like to take notes for everything and I can't, I, I, I was going to start doing them electronically, but for some reason, electronically just does not work for my brain. So I have notebooks and pens and I write down everything. Like I've been taking notes while we've been, while we've been talking. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm the same way. I, I like to take my notes on paper. However, I don't have a notebook. So I just have a lot of miscellaneous, like eight and a half by 11 pieces of paper on my desk. <laughs> Um, they get sorted about once a month. Um, half the time, though, when I go back and sort them, it's like gibberish. And I'm like, why did I write this down? What does this mean? Like, what was this even notes from? Um, so I'm, I'm getting there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're all works in progress. Um, okay, so um, I have one last question for you. Mm -hmm. So if you could go back and talk to your younger self, what advice would you give to her? And why? Yeah, so I'll, I'll try kind of like a little personal anecdote on this one. Um, so I, I grew up doing, you know, the musical theater. I played an instrument. I was in every chorus possible. And then I hit ninth grade. And that was when I knew that, like, you know, this is, like, serious. I got to, like, start focusing on college, res like, college apps and all of this. And all of a sudden, I stopped singing. Um, and I, I, like... I really loved singing like my parents have always told me that they could tell like when I was having a good day versus a bad day because on my good days I would sing like nonstop in the car in the shower you know just around the house whatever it was and on my bad days I was just like silent um, and so I, I was pretty much like silent all the way from you know the start of high school through the end of college and it was during this time that like my mental health really dropped off and I, you know, just, I was not doing as good of a job taking care of myself. And I, I mean, obviously I'm not going to attribute it all to the fact that I stopped singing, but I, I lost my creativity and I lost that little piece of myself that it was my spark. That was like my artistic outlet. Um, and I thought that like STEM was just about like the engineering that this was like, you know, design that this was coding and like, that was it. It was like hard code, black and white. Right. And that, that's really not what it is. And so now I'm you know, focused a lot more on my mental health and I've started singing again and my boyfriend is now the one who is saying, you know, oh, I can tell you're having a good day because you, you sang like the entire time you were in the shower. But if I could go back and tell my younger self something, it would be to you know, not stop singing, to not like lose sight of that part of who I am, to you know, just be serious and like try and focus as much as I did. Because I, I don't think that my high school college experience lost a part of myself um so that would be my my advice to my younger self 
Well, I think it's that's quality advice. I mean, and it's something for um, other other young women to really consider. Um, a one, don't lose don't lose yourself in the in in the school, you know, in your schooling mm-hmm. or in your career. Find those outlets, whatever it is for you, um, and do those things to pursue a full a full life. Mm-hmm. For sure, I, I'm. I definitely wasn't always an advocate for this, but you know, now that you know, I'm graduated out of college or you know, kind of out of college, I'm still doing my master's. But um, you know, it's to to be unapologetically yourself and understand that like you can do what you're passionate about, but if you're not doing it as yourself, you're not going to be passionate about what you're doing, right? You're not going to enjoy it. You're not going to be able to do it to your like full potential. Um, and so, you know, I, I really do believe in the whole be unapologetically yourself concept you shouldn't give up any part of who you are because of a stereotype or because someone told you that's not what like a woman in stem looks like or does love love that love love that (laughs) you got me singing (laughs) okay so um tell us give us your um your social media handles and where else um people can find you yeah, so I am on Twitter at K-C-A-E underscore Looney. I'm on Instagram at Kaylee Looney, my full name. Um, you should also check out Reinvented Magazine, which is at Reinvented Magazine on um, Instagram and then at Reinvented Mag on Twitter. Uh, yeah. All right. So, um Again, thank you for just giving us just a little glimpse into um, into your world today, Kaylee. I really, I thank really you. appreciate you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This has been fun. All right. Uh, okay, listeners. So this is this is the end of today's show. And as I end almost every show, um, you guys, um, please keep yourself safe until we can until we can talk again. All right. Bye bye. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Stimming in Stilettos. I sincerely hope that you learned something new from our guest today. Remember that you can listen to Stimming in Stilettos anywhere podcasts are found. You can follow us on Facebook at Stimming in Stilettos. You can find Dr. Tasha on Facebook and Twitter at Dr. Tasha 11, Instagram at Dr. Tasha. So until next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Stemming in Stilettos. Please check out the show notes to get additional information about today's guest or today's topic. You can find the podcast on every major podcast platform. You can find additional information about Dr. Tasha at www.drtasha.com. Thanks again, and don't forget to tune in every Tuesday for the latest episode of Stemming in Stilettos.